Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I'm here with our producer, Dylan Carnival. I'm also here with John Amayo. And we are here to answer the questions that you feel like you can't ask in church. Today, we are so excited to have James Amblavavanar um, here. And uh, he is a recent graduate of Geneseo. And he's in accounting, and he is just a friend of the show. So we wanted to have this conversation. John, before we go any further, what was your first idea for a podcast when we started? I don't want to say it, Peter, because if I say it, someone <laughs> out there in the podcast <laughs> universe is going to steal it before I actually market it. So I don't want to say it, but I will. Because maybe this will legally be binding. So uh, for any lawyers listening, this is the legally binding statement. It came from my head. But here's the idea. The XYZ podcast with a, mem- with a member of Generation X, a member of Generation Y, and a member of Generation Z just bantering about the day's topics and about the differences between their generations. I feel like I'm going to get six emails of people that said, there's already one out there. Yeah, probably, anyway, but you know, it's okay. I came up with the idea first, even if people did it. I don't yeah. know anyway, sorry. Well, the reason why this topic's so great, and I'm so glad to have James with us, is... I feel like as a millennial, people talk about me, but people don't talk to me. And Mm. so it's like, let me tell you about millennials. And I'm like, oh, do tell, (laughs) you know? And I think every generation has gone through that. And I hope that as the older generation that we're having conversations like these. So I'm just glad to have James here. So I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been fascinated with the differences between generations and there's a lot of studies out there right now. You know, working with college students, like Generation Z is like the newest thing right now. It's all the rage and everybody's trying to figure out Gen Z. And um, I've done a lot of research about that, and and as I've researched Gen Z, I've come to appreciate them a lot as a generation, but I've also realized there's significant differences. Like, you can't just lump Gen Z in with millennials, let's say. A lot of people will refer to them as millennials, as I think maybe James has experienced in his life, but that's not necessarily true. And the difference between Gen X, my generation— and both of those generations are significant too. So it's going to be fun to have a convo about that. And uh, that's why we're excited to have James here with us. Welcome, James. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I can tell. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a phone call right now, but, Do we? you know, it's all good. Oh, it's look all at that. good. Anyways, James, James, let's, uh, let's get a start. John, where do you want to, where do you want to get started? Where do I want to go? I, I think this is important. Okay. So. Since this has been my idea for a podcast, let's have fun with this, all right? Before we get into deeper dive issues, let's talk about a few different topics about our generation, okay? And give our personal opinions. This does not—none of us sitting here represent our generation. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes, yeah, but this is our opinion about our generation, okay? So the first thing I would like to know— Popular culture questions, okay? First three questions are going to be popular culture, and each one of us has to give an answer to it. Top three movies to define your generation. I think we should start oldest to youngest with this one, and then we'll (laughs) rotate around. So it's funny. I put you to ask the question. Now you have to answer. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I'm going to go a little philosophical on this one, okay? So first of all, we got, of course, my generation, Star Wars. Episodes four, five, six, New Hope, 
all the way through uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Depending on when you were born in Gen X, those will define define kind of where you you kind of came of age during that time. My first time at a theater uh, was watching uh, Return of the Jedi. It was just enthralling. It was amazing. So so that was, for me, a, a, a big moment. I think another one for my generation, Red Dawn. Now, I pick that. That's kind of a weird movie to pick, but I pick it because of the uh, struggle between Russia and the U.S. during that time. And you actually thought, people who grew up in my generation actually thought that at the end, any moment, Russia could invade the United States and it would be this big brouhaha. Like you actually thought that that was a possibility. You were preparing wow. for that. Yeah, yeah, this was a deal. So I think those two, those two movies were, were, you know, fairly significant. I would say the third one is Breakfast Club, probably uh. for my generation. Um, bunch of misfits sitting around talking, mm -hmm. not a lot of close connection with family, um, so what you get in all of these movies is really this idea of family, but estrangement from family, but a seeking of closeness, and and it's kind of really descriptive of what our generation experienced. I feel like Gen X experienced it resonated with us a lot. It was like the people around me have to become my family, and my own family isn't right there with me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, when I did this, so listeners, I just, just to save all of your feedback, all of these questions we're asking is what movies do we think represent the generation, not yeah. what's best? Or right. so I just yeah. want to. So I went number one with The Social Network. Ah. I, I felt like that was a pivotal movie that explained our generation, you know, especially mm. in college. So it's the story of Mark Zuckerberg. Um, kind of the platform and even just his friendship, the way it was working, that it shows the promise and the curses of being a millennial. So we'll go with that one. Yeah. I picked The Dark Knight second. Ooh. And you could probably argue with me that it's just because I like the movie, but I, I picked it because I think I... So when I was a kid, there was a point where heroes weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point where heroes were more like dynamic, good and evil. Mm -hmm. But also this movie, I think a lot with millennials is how do you stand up to the man? Mm. And so even the fact of I'm going to have to be chased to kind of. So that, that was a thought. Ah. And then the third one, Toy Story. Wow. The original. The original. So here's why. Yeah. I feel like Toy Story, um, I'm going to really give my age right now. I watched it in second grade, mm -hmm. and I don't think you can watch that movie as a millennial without seeing where we're going, like thematically, uh, but also it was like the first 3D major motion picture and all, maybe not 3D, but the first um, animated, mm. you know, that so... Those are my three. Yeah, dude, good James. ones. All right. James. I I feel like there's a lot of them. Anyone would say from my generation, probably the Avengers movies, but uh, I mm. picked Wonder Woman, which is really? might be controversial, okay, but I'll explain but, why. All right, please. Um, we love I controversy. I feel like, and we'll, we'll definitely probably get into this more later, but I think that part of what, 
people loved about Wonder Woman, which isn't really like a personal favorite, was that there was like a strong female role. And I feel like people from my generation are more willing to push um, like things that haven't been pushed before, right? Like beyond stereotypes, beyond other things. And I felt like that the main feedback to that movie was she was it and and i'm i know there's tons of other movies that have that but that franchise being so large yeah i think um and coming towards the end because you think about same like star wars i remember my dad saying it literally probably the same words you just said about star wars of like i watched that and it was like the greatest thing ever right and Mm -hmm. like i feel like there were kids and i'm i'm kind of on the tail end of that but there were kids even younger than me that felt that way about the avengers yeah. And then Wonder Woman came kind of at the end of like when all the m- more popular movies came out. So they already had a following. But going on to my second, my second two are kind of the same reason. But I chose The Hunger Games, specifically the oh, first movie, yeah. and Divergent, mm-hmm. also the first movie. And I feel like both the main characters, both women. So yeah. I didn't even think about that till right now. Yeah. But, wow, um, dude. Yeah. But, um, both of those movies are completely about going against the system yeah and not fitting into like this stereotypical cookie cutter role that you have to grow up and be right like divergent there's four things that you can be and she was none of them you yeah. know and the hunger games is the entire world revolves around this thing and she figured out how to basically buck the system so yeah yeah that was kind of my thoughts for that dude one. that is a great insight into yeah. into your generation i love that i uh i am very very impressed <laughs> yeah i am so i am so impressed Thank that you. i i think that we should start the second question with you first All right. oh and then we're so the next one is what tv shows define your generation okay yeah so this one was tough because there are a ton of tv shows but I kind of went with the first one I had to pick was The Office, mm. which I know is kind of older. And I don't yeah. actually even know if that's we'll move forward. Yeah. But <laughs> I picked it one because I think every single person I know at my age that is my age has watched The Office more than once. And I've personally watched it probably like nine times. Ah. But kind of why I picked out why I think I like it and why people my age like it is because it's short attention span and it's a huge variety like every episode it's one of those shows you can go back and you can watch season five episode 13 yep and as soon as you start watching it you're laughing you're like you don't need a storyline you don't really need much right yeah and every episode is something different and it kind of appeals to that like uh short-witted humor that is satisfying in the moment but there's not a whole lot else to it. There's not a ton of substance. You're not like learning a ton from watching the show. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, it gives you gratification like immediately. Um, and then the second show I watched, I picked was Grownish, which is a show I haven't watched, mm-hmm. but it's all about a girl that basically thinks all these things about going to college and leaves and then realizes she's not super equipped for it i think yeah i haven't watched it but um i feel like that's kind of the story of especially just graduating from college kids getting there and being like wait i have no clue what i'm doing 
I wasn't ready for this. No, either I didn't prepare myself for this or someone else didn't prepare me for this. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of it. And then um, the third one is Parks and Rec, partly just because it's one of my favorite shows, but it's similar to The Office in that, um, again, a woman role. I didn't even notice that. But the main character, main, main character is a woman in government. And it's the same kind of humor of it's very kind of like short and it makes you happy in the moment. And I noticed that in both The Office and Parks and Rec, everyone that watches it can relate to one, at least one character yeah. on some level. And they can kind of like identify with them. And I feel like that kind of goes with my generation of like trying to like be somebody or trying to like fit into something and know that like people are like supporting them and stuff like that. Ah. So who do you identify with in let's pick Parks and Rec? Uh, see, that one's hard. I mean, if I said Tom, people would think that just because he's Indian. But <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I really like Ron's character. I, yeah. I don't really like identify with that. Like, he's kind of over the top. But I think I admire his like, um, he's always like truthful about it. like he's yeah. to the point. Yeah, I think that's kind of rare in. Even my generation, like there's a lot of fluff around uh, what people talk about, and Ron's kind of, yeah, he delivers what he needs to deliver and leaves it at that. So yeah, I dig that. Yeah, yeah. So hey, so um, you have unbelievable taste. So we'll just start there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the three TV shows. So number one, mm-hmm. The Office. Okay. So let me kind of tell you why I. So uh, there is a show. I, I think it the Bob Newhart show. And that I feel like is the typical boomer slash traditionalist show where the boss is the sane one and everybody else is crazy. Like you even think of the show coach with Craig T Nelson. It's the same way. Like he's got to deal with all the craziness. The office was the, like one of the first shows. And again, I'm probably going to get emails about this (laughs) that like, the boss was the crazy person. Right. And you're see I I feel like it's so generational because the Jim and Pam of am I a slacker? What do I do? Like I don't have power to change it, but I want to. And like it's it's a show that completely looks through the guise of my generation, I feel like. So yeah. we can come back to that. Secondly, I picked Parks and Rec. Okay. Um, this is good. I, <laughs> I, we're, we're not doing great with the whole millennials and yeah. Gen Z well, yeah. are not the same thing. Well, but, but I, actually think, I actually think that's a good thing in this sense. It's a testament to how good those two shows are. Right. So, But the second thing about that is I think Parks and Rec exposes the idealism and cynicism that i mean i feel like after saying that i've gone like really deep (laughs) but like you have leslie nope who's a very typical you know probably millennial type figure wants to make a difference wants to work for government but she runs into a ron swanson who's basically yeah he's basically like less government and stuff like that so i feel like the reason why people love that show is both of them are really entertaining but they're an insight into millennials 
the last show that I picked, and probably someone's going to bring up a better one, but I picked 24. So uh-huh. number one, I feel like it was the first kind of binge-worthy Binge. show. Yeah. Secondly, you never knew who you could trust. Uh. And, you know, there's Jack Bauer, but you never knew. I mean, there was presidents that were wrong. There was secret operatives that were wrong. So those are mine. John? Dude, my goodness. There's so much depth in there. I just want to <laughs> just want to delve into the mind of Pedro after listening to that. That's really good. Okay, well, all right. Here's, here's my top uh, three Gen X uh, TV shows. Let's let's start with when we were young by Adele, and uh, let's let's go with Sesame Street. Uh, revolutionary for its time. Now we don't think anything of Sesame Street, but Gen X was the experimentation uh, generation for Sesame Street. So we kind of grew up. A lot of Gen X grew up as latchkey kids, and the TV actually raised our generation wow. in a pretty significant way. So. Uh, Sesame Street had a big formation. It really formed our generation in a pretty big way. So you can't kind of separate that that out. Then I I think down the line a little bit, and I think Seinfeld comes to mind for my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you look back on some of the episodes now. Yeah, it's dated, but it's but man, the themes they're still hilarious to this day. The, right. the some of the lines from Seinfeld are part of our culture. Um, you kind of forget they're from Seinfeld, you know, Festivus and all the rest of us and all that. Uh, so the soup Nazi, the soup Nazi, so many. Uh, and then I think the think around that same time, Friends was uh, another show that was hugely popular, hugely popular since that point as well. I think all of those things have in common this sense again even from when I referred to in the movies, like this sense of kind of estrangement from family, but my friends are the ones that mm. are the real closest yeah. thing in my life. And for, for my generation, we, uh, and for a lot of people who grew up in that time, uh, parents were not all of a sudden were not around as much. Mm. And so people who grew up in that generation really had to depend on those that were around them and mm. they yearned for that closeness with the people around them. Uh, so yeah. That's so that's one. where we go. So the OCD in me mm-hmm. says that we should keep going in order, but I yeah. realized I've made you all go first. Yeah. So now so, this one's your turn. Uh, right? I got to go yeah, first. Okay, okay. So this one's your turn. Peter, you get to go first and answer this question. Which is? Which is songs that define your generation. Now, I I need to be clear. Um, I'm not saying that I love these songs. I'm just saying... <laughs> I echo that. These are songs that... Define uh, your and, generation. And I, I will throw out to you who are music aficionados, please tell me that I'm wrong. But <laughs> So the first one, this... I feel very strongly this is the song of our generation. It's Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson. Ah. And and the reason is with the lyrics, you know, I'm going to spread my wings, learn how to fly, right. though it's not easy. And you just sense this entrepreneurial, this, you know, the the I want to get out, I want to go pursue my own thing and I think that that kind of defined our generation. That song came out the senior year I was in high school. Mm. So there. The second th- song I can be proud of um, 
it's Mr. Brightside uh, by the Killers. By the Killers, yeah. Um, Classic. I, I'll be honest, it's just because I like that song. But <laughs> as I think about it, you know, it does kind of point to the cynicism and the cynicism, but also the hope that that kind of that tension mm. that millennials go through. And then the third one, um, I'm embarrassed, but I just I I have to. It's I got a feeling by Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> and the reason I say that is I feel like that song embodies the YOLO. I'm going to find myself. I don't want to necessarily commit. So those are my three. So who's next? I'll go James, next. go for it. Yeah. I echo what Peter said. These are not my favorite songs. <laughs> um, the first one I chose was Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Oh, so, so that's not your favorite, though. No, no, it isn't. Actually. Totally not. <laughs> I'm actually very tired of that song. But anyway, I feel like partly why that represents my generation is what you think is just like the, I guess, need or even strong want to just party or have fun. I feel like in the past generations haven't always viewed that as as an as much of a necessity, which I think is probably a good thing, as people now my age do. Um so that's probably why I picked that. Second one is Young, Dumb and Broke by Khalid. Mm. And that's also kind of self self explanatory. I think um Peter, you kind of mentioned like the kind of like living in the moment type thing, like going out and and I guess like finding yourself or making a new path, right? And I feel like a lot of people my age are very okay with the young, dumb, and broke mm. lifestyle of I don't have to get a real job really until I'm 28 or whatever, you know, like kind of delaying the inevitable of starting an adult life and mm. i even see that now where there's there's kind of a contrast between the kids that i graduated with that got jobs during their senior year and went ahead and, and have a plan and the other kids that are like i'm gonna take a year off and do this which is not always bad but i think there's more of a willingness to kind of live in that paycheck to paycheck mm. backpacking type lifestyle yeah, yeah. um and then the last one is Me by Taylor Swift, and the line is like, you're never going to find somebody like me or something, and I feel like that kind of represents people in my generation being like, instead of changing how they are, kind of saying like, this is how I am, and the, because I am that way, it's okay uh, <laughs> kind of thing like you rather than like oh maybe i should work on this part um and i feel like that kind of speaks to that of like i am how i am you're not gonna find somebody like me mm. kind of thing so yeah yeah, yeah. Damn, wow. a lot of depth in these answers holy cow i feel like we That's could mine <laughs> this mine this for a long time well just wait till the next questions yeah i mean exactly. you wrote them that's so. true that's true i did but yeah. i i am excited to hear the gen x songs the gen x songs well again uh walking on broken glass the, yeah no <laughs> uh but but the first one has to be radio killed the mute uh video killed the radio star uh first song ever played on mtv mm. for my generation 
music all of a sudden went from just an audio thing to a video thing. Mm. And that was the game changer. Uh, video killed the radio star was that that first song a lot of you know some people don't even know that song but that was a pretty yeah you don't james doesn't <laughs> don't know, know that, that song, song. <laughs> you get the radio star? yeah you're yeah anyway uh so, if we yeah. if we get james to sing yeah this would be the first episode that all three people sing. so <laughs> james uh, get ready you told me that now i'm gonna be less willing to sing. <laughs> <laughs> no, such a generation <laughs> z no i'm just kidding no. yeah yeah so that so that that was defining in that moment then you have the then you then as you follow that arc along you get to beat it which is probably the first like mega hit of the video world michael jackson he kind of transcended all of these different forms and he brought kind of this generation together there was a there were several yeah. years there where michael jackson was like the unifying force kind of of our generation he like he was it mm -hmm. right. um and and beat it was kind of the first anthem of that i would say mm. um but then you go through the 80s and there's all this pop stuff and my generation is very uh like one of our high values is authenticity so you will just hear that over and over and over again from people of, of in gen x is like oh i just want to be so real and authentic and da da da, da. Mm -hmm. and so we got sick of the poppy kind of hairband stuff that seemed fun in the moment, but then we got sick of it. And so uh, Nirvana comes along in the early 90s, and, I, and Smells Like Teen Spirit mm. became like this smash hit because it was like everybody was rejecting kind of the pop like way, and they were like, oh, man we just need to be real and authentic. And yeah. that's what Nirvana kind of symbolized was that. And so then the grunge era was ushered in and, and a lot of us uh, from Gen X went through that grunge era, a lot of flannel during that time. And uh -huh. it was great. You so. know, I, so what's funny is I related, and, and I'm probably an older millennial, I related more to John's list than to your list. That's funny. Except for Taylor Swift, um, right. but we'll leave that alone for right now. So, <laughs> Or will we? Or no. will we? <laughs> uh, anyways, so this was a great start, and like, kind of let's get serious. So, James, the way that we're going to kind of do this discussion just for our listeners is you're actually going to answer the first one. Like, we're going to ask the same type of questions but more serious right. and then we'll kind of respond off of this so you're going to answer all of these first okay. and then we'll jump yeah, in yeah. what do you think is the best attribute of being a generation z um do you mean like like strengths kind of thing or? yeah 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 okay. uh, strengths that, that's probably right. the better question no no that's fine um so i think there's a couple i think the first one which everyone would probably guess is the ability to utilize technology and i think that's something that when i was growing up right my parents were relatively conservative about going all in on the you know getting cell phones and stuff right but like smartphones were everyone started having smartphones when i was in high school around mm. then right and so if you think about people my age we basically grew up with the exception of maybe between the ages of one and 10, having an iPad to play mm -hmm. on. Right. Other than that, we basically grew up using technology in school. And even, even I've seen in college, the, the shift to like, I can't remember the last time I did anything by hand in college. Right. Mm -hmm. And everything is Google docs and, and 
uploading stuff online. So I think one of, I think that kind of, if you broaden that out to like a bigger um, attribute is the ability to adjust to change. Mm. And I think that because we were growing up with technology, which we all know changes rapidly and it, it doesn't like stop and wait for anyone, you know, like you're, mm-hmm. you just kind of have to catch up. And um, that's why, you know, people like my grandparents feel like they're kind of left behind of like turning the TV on, right? Because yeah. they didn't, they didn't have any, anything to grow up with like that. So I think that kind of reflects, I think that's a strength is when you're going out, especially I think about my position now going out into the world, I feel pretty confident that even if things are changing like they are right now in this very weird time, right, that I can kind of adjust to it um, and, and be able to adjust even specifically with technology which i think is just going to keep getting better and more prominent but um do you want another one <laughs> no no yeah keep going okay yeah that's I mean, fascinating i, have I mean couple, i feel like but... i could delve into that one forever oh, yeah. too because like because that's the biggest battles in our house right is technology like right. your generation sees technology in a much different way than my generation yes, sees technology yeah. like my i think gen x is very skeptical of technology like mm-hmm. what's it going to do to your brain what's it doing how's that hardwiring what you got going on but you guys have grown up with it and it's not a thing right it's, and i think uh, and i definitely seen that like my parents right yeah they they were pretty strict about like one hour of playstation on weekends right and Mm. and my friends were a wide spectrum of kids that played video games eight hours a day during the summer Mm -hmm. and kids that weren't allowed to touch them right um and i think there's some pretty big differences which i'm i'm i think we'll get into a little bit later when we're talking about the weaknesses of like when people are those kids versus the other kids that didn't use technology and I, I personally think I I kind of benefited from not completely mm. like all in on technology when I like I yeah. went and played outside in my backyard with my brothers and and stuff like that. But I think um I think the positives of that are kind of the open mindedness that it teaches you when you're constantly dealing with something that is always changing. Mm. Um and that kind of goes into like the next thing that I was gonna say of like being open-minded and also being willing to push something farther than it's been pushed before. And I kind of touch on this with like the women in power, right? Mm. And like you go to college and all your professors always tell you, this is a place where you find yourself. And I think that's, I think that's a double-edged sword. I think people take that Mm. too far. Um, But it is true that you're exposed to a lot of things that you would never get exposed to at home in high school. Right. Um, and I think that there are people, especially like when they get older, that are are really willing to be like, wait, I actually like care about this. Yeah. You know, and I'm willing to to put myself or my reputation or whatever on the line to like go and and kind of like fight for it. And um I think that's encouraging. That creates a lot of conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Which sometimes is like too much and we talk about things a lot and um that's a whole nother conversation but uh, <laughs> i i think that one attribute is is a strength yeah you know i i want to just before john and i because i feel like we can answer fairly fat and i'd rather lean on you right now just yeah. 
do you so you brought up before kind of being a minority in right. the week that we're recording this you know george floyd right and just kind of your strength about pushing the envelope do you feel like you see your generation differently than maybe your white you know friends or do you think you feel like the people in your friends group kind of see it the same i'd just be curious i think I think it's actually changed over my lifetime over, I would say maybe the last 10 years, but you become more aware of these things in college. Right. Mm. And I didn't have social media until my 16th birthday. That was like my parents thing. So like, I wasn't really tapped into like Twitter and stuff like that before that. But I think it's interesting that you say that because I've actually been surprised. Unfortunately, we have a lot of examples of things like George Floyd happening right over the span of the last maybe decade or even the last five years that I've kind of been more aware. Um, and I feel like I've seen more and more people that I wouldn't expect to post something on their story about it or uh, just simple, like do an Instagram post, tweet something about it that may not have done that in the past. But I seen like, it's funny you asked me this because th just this morning I was seeing people that are white which the majority of people that i grew up in webster <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. the majority of my friends are white you know yeah. like i i even though like i'm not completely white <laughs> i would say like my upbringing was mostly of that like demographic um but i feel like i see that going in a positive direction of more and more people um supporting this kind of thing and I think that might be partly because of their willingness to speak up, not that they didn't support it before. Mm. Um, but I don't know if it was frowned upon or like people thought like, oh, if I'm not a minority, like I'm a white person speaking out about someone, a white person that did something like, right. I, like I, maybe I'll just stay away from it, you know? Mm. And now I feel like that's maybe happening less. I don't know if that answers. Oh, this question, is a good. Really. This 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 but. leads me into a very real because this has become a convo in our right. family, like because I'm I'm having this convo with my kids. Like, right. how do you interact with this? Like, what what does it mean in this day and age to make a stand? Like, and how do you know like that you're making a stand in the right way? Like, right, right. You know, and and I, I I'm legit asking my kids this question. Last yeah. night I was just asking my son, you know, who's fit, who's going to be 15 and a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, I said to him, what does it mean? Like if you're white and you, and you don't say something and you're silent right. about it, like, what does that mean? Cause it could mean different things in my mind. Mm -hmm. And Definitely. for him though, that, that he's like, well, it's kind of, it kind of means you're a racist if you don't say anything. Wow. And I'm like, you know, and it's very, very like real yeah. real moment yeah. like and we're able to have that kind of relationship you know that's good, yeah. yeah yeah but um that's his view because he's grown up around this that's his view i i it it, it it's helpful for me to know that yeah. but it isn't where my mind goes initially like my mind doesn't go like i have to right i think people e even in my generation would be where you are saying yeah. like if i'm not saying something it doesn't mean i don't support it right but it's interesting. I wouldn't have known that, but it's interesting that your son said that because that changes right. things, you know, yeah, a lot. So well, yeah. and I think part of it. So 
I'm just going to give my two quick strengths because I think this could be helpful. Yeah. So number one, I think millennials are the most entrepreneur ge generation. Right. They were basically told, get a job, you know, work for 30 years in the same place. And part of that, you know, I own, like, I shouldn't say I own for our generator. Like, there is a sense of independence I, I i'm careful of the word entitlement i hate that word yeah um i've seen it but i don't feel like it's a a fair stereotype mm -hmm. um but then also there was why do i have to do it this way and i think that that leads into maybe this is just kind of what you were saying there is a strong sense of justice mm. where it's like you know, just because this has been happening for 200 or 300 years doesn't mean it needs to keep happening. Right. And so I, I think that there's a lot of if you don't say anything, you're part of the system, too. So mm. that's my feeling. But, John, what are your strengths? Because I think that's going to help us with this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think Gen X has grown up in an environment where they had to rely on relationships, like relationships of the people that are closest to them so in a very real-time way so and they value relationships very highly our generation generally does so i think that's what we bring into a, a situation not that other generations don't but we view relationships so highly that that um that is our number one priority, our relationship. So that can that can be a real positive. That can also get to be real negative. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right. if you're the son or a daughter of someone who is a Gen X person, yes. you probably feel the pressure of that. You know, like oh, we gotta be like uh, you know best friends or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that's probably one of the strengths that 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 our generation brings to the table. Mm. So, so let's, um, what do you think is the greatest liability of your yeah. generation? So to quickly touch on the technology thing again, I think that can also be a weakness. Um, I think part of what having technology at our fingertips has taught my generation is that you can get things very quickly mm -hmm. and you can, you can type a question into Google and it'll, it'll answer you. And I feel like even if we're not trying to, we're kind of training ourselves to like watching The Office or Parks and Rec, right? You get this instant gratification of, I, I did, I turned the show on and I, I'm laughing or whatever, or I looked this up on Google and I get an answer right away, and that's not really how the world works, right? When you mm. have to like work past that first effort that you put in, right? Um, and I even hear like little things people saying at school, like they complain when I would say every single one of my classmates would rather have a project that they could do in one night that take them maybe a couple hours that they can start and finish in the same time than work slowly at something over say like when a teacher says this project is going to take you 50 hours to do and I'm assigning it to you in a month. So budget your time wisely to do it, right? Like, Almost everyone will wait till the last three days to start it. Yeah. Right. And I think procrastination probably transcends generations, but I think I've kind of really seen there's this need to have things done quickly, like this impatience of, you know, you look at TV shows, right? I'm, I guess I don't totally know this, but I'm guessing 
most TV shows weren't like 22 minutes long episodes, right? In like 30 years ago, right? Is that true? They were they were the same length, but you just had to sit through all the commercials. Okay. So, so like, like you're watching, watching all these yeah, right? yeah, you're watching all these shows, right? But when they first came out, you had to sit and watch them with the commercials added in. Right. And now you can just watch two seasons a night or yeah. when yeah. and people will wait people my age yep. and I'm sure other ages too will wait until a show comes out on Netflix just so they can watch it all at once so they don't have to wait every week. Right. Mm. Like I never watch shows that I have to wait yeah. that come out week after week. Right. Um and I think I, even what you're saying to that question is like that's kind of a like that question about TV shows. It's kind of an antiquated question for your yeah. generation. Yeah. Like it's like you don't that's not how you engage. Right. Like, exactly. And yeah. So I think I think I've seen that in in a in a lot of other things and um and that kind of goes to being like like especially on technology when you grow up with something and you're kind of living with it you begin to rely on it and I think mm. sometimes we're too reliant on like oh like I can just I can just look this up and instead of like my own fault like I can't even think of the last time I learned other than a textbook that I had to read for class, like went and read like a, a book and learned it rather than just like looking up quickly to like answer someone's question and then kind of forgetting about it. Mm. And I think there's like this short attention span um, type thing that, that comes along with that, that when you have to do real tasks that take time and all these other things that go into it, people in my generation are like, wait, I actually have to like, save my money <laughs> for the future uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. i have to i have to do something now that'll help me in the future like i don't think that my generation really thinks that way as much let me let me ask you this before we get into our liability so i've heard this from a few parents um mm -hmm. and i'm going to try to frame this as best i can but um so you're in accounting so yep. let's say you're given this task of creating this complicated spreadsheet right and so your choice is just build it yourself mm -hmm. or, and again, we're not saying it's cheating, but, or you found one on the internet that works. Right. Tell me which one do you think your generation would choose and kind of why? Because I think that that kind of hints to a little bit of that. Definitely. So I've had that scenario in a lot of classes, right? And I would say 85% of the kids are going to take the one they found online and they're going to put their own numbers into it and adjust it for the problem, right? And make it look like it's theirs kind of thing, right? And they're going to use that. I think um, I would personally say, I'm not just saying this because I'm on here, but like based on how my parents raised me and things, like I kind of value, one is I like Excel, which is a side <laughs> note. Wow, but like, holy but, cow. But like, you know, I... I would value like making it myself and and like producing something sure. that would work, right? And I think most of my teachers would. One is because the other one's kind of cheating. And two is most of my teachers are Gen X, right? Mm -hmm. Which you're talking about of like um being authentic, right? And yeah. you know, they're they're the ones teaching us to do this stuff. So they they want us to do it in that way. And I think in most most times unless it's really time sensitive that's probably the best way to do it because you're learning i'm not learning how to do it if i take it from online but mm. yeah that'd be my answer well but i also think there's um there's busy work right and, and i think that that's kind of the struggle it's like why there's a fine line between yeah. 
spending yeah like spending time doing something for two hours i guess i'm thinking about it in a school way of like you're getting graded on it but in the real real world like people don't really care right so like <laughs> like no I, I i'm i'm kind of adjusting my answer because i'm i'm realizing that you probably asked it more in like a professional way of like if you're doing a job at work they're not gonna if it's the same thing they're not gonna care if you got it from somewhere else as long as you well result, right you know it's funny i know a cfo Okay. And they spent, we'll just say, five or six figures on a software system. Right. And their previous boss did everything on a spreadsheet. And it's kind of like, why Why would you use the spreadsheet? And, you know, you can see that, that. Yeah, in that instance, like, it would be smarter to buy a software, <laughs> a software system because you? you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, doing stuff you don't need to do. No, but, that's good. Yeah. Uh greatest liability me or you which one uh yeah i can go for it i mean i think your greatest strength is your greatest liability most of the time in life and so i would say you know we overemphasize relationships and authenticity to the point where we you know let's just be real you you can kind of take that to the extreme of being real like where that is the ultimate value Mm -hmm. and being real is is great but like that's not the ultimate value. And so it's easy to look down on other people. I think Gen X can, can look down on other people if they're not able to have those relational connections. They don't understand that. They don't get it. They don't get mm-hmm. like, how could you not just walk up to somebody and talk to them? How does that not work for you? You know? Um, and so I think that that dynamic there can be, uh, can be frustrating for Gen Xers. How about you, millennials? Um, I think our greatest liability is cynicism. Mm. And so just, you know, I, I go back to when I was in college, gas was $3 a gallon. Mm-hmm. And we were basically told our whole lives, if you work hard, if you do all the right things, you'll get the right jobs. You'll get... And we didn't. Mm. Like, And so that's why, you know, I find it funny whenever we talk about entrepreneurs, they're like millennials and they're in their 20s and 30s. And but I also think that that when we got hired to jobs, we brought that cynicism of you can trust me or I'm experienced. And the other thing that I think about a lot, and this is why I picked the office too, there's this seminal scene, like it's supposed to be hilarious, but it's, it's really sad. You know, mm-hmm. here's Michael Scott and he's standing in front of a bunch of college students And he says, write this down. Paper is here to stay. And all you hear in the background is click, 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 click. (laughs) So I I, I think about that because that's what our generation Mm. was. It was don't use technology. It's not going to work for you. And, Mm. you know, I I listened to a podcast this morning of someone that's a boomer that said, hey, what do you know? Like community online can kind of be the same as community. And you know, I know right. one of our consultants, we work with Tom Melzoni, he's like, maybe millennials have been right all these years and you mm. should listen to them more. So I think our cynicism, because people didn't listen to us because of our cynicism. And so that's kind of, we, we interviewed Robin last week. Maybe I need yeah. to talk with her more about it. But uh, anyway. That's a good one. That's so, a good one. you know, why don't we do this? Um, you know, we, uh, let me just kind of ask this. What do you think about millennials and gen xers like what are your 
Um, I mean, do you that's do you an care? Interesting question. So no. one is, I will say, I sometimes have a hard time differentiating millennials from, like, technically, I I looked it up right. I think my generation starts in '94, mm-hmm. right? I was born in '98, and like, I feel like I'm kind of on like the older end of yeah Gen Z, right? But, yeah. um. I have an easy time with Gen Xers because my parents are, yeah. right? And I I can, you know, I you know they're going to listen to this, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, be, uh, no, but like, you know. How, like, is how I'm describing Gen X, does that, do, do you see yeah. that? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I think yeah. part of that is good. Right. And part of it is this kind of perpetual, like, we're talking about being misunderstood, right? Of like, my parents don't understand this. I'm kind of just going to accept that and move forward. Eventually, they might figure it out after mm. I might like prove it to them. But if I told them, like they might not, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that's a probably a very house, like common household, like conversation of like, you should do this this way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there is definitely a balance and obviously like a lot of these topics that's a whole nother series of podcasts of yeah. like you know parenting and stuff like that but um i think well hold on let me help you out because yeah my parents love me i don't know how much my mom listens to this but yeah you know so my dad used to say to me all the time life's not fair okay yeah and but i think as a millennial I, I I would say things like, well, why can't it be fair? Mm-hmm. Like, why, you know, are there phrases like, and and I think that that's our sense of justice. That's our sense of right. why do I have to follow this script? And the hilarious part is with boomers, like they ask those same questions too. Right. Like they were just like millennials when they were there. So I'm kind of curious maybe from you both, I think there's some similarities between the skipping every other generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what were the things that your parents said to you that you pushed back, but maybe it was a like, and John, you can jump in there. Yeah. I think, um, there were definitely a lot of things I thought my parents were like wacko about when I was in <laughs> high school that when I got to college, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad they made me do this. Right. Sure. Um, and I will like a, a kind of a disclaimer is like, I think I'm in a different boat than most, I would say, Gen Zers around here because my dad was an immigrant. And I think, like, that's a whole nother mindset of, like, Hmm. you come into this country, you earn what you get, right? Like, his mom came in, they lived behind a laundromat. Like, they, Mm. they, she, like, didn't have any, like, American clothes. She went to work at, like, MetLife. And my dad had to learn English in school. Like, all, all these different things, like, that's not a, a life where someone just kind of handed it to you. Just getting to this country in the first place was hard. So even if you see like my mom's side, my mom is for people listening. My dad is from Sri Lanka and my mom is, is white and they both grew up in New York city. Once my dad came here, like you'll see this difference in the expectations. Mm. And part of that, which I tend to lose sight of a lot, but all throughout high school reminded my dad was like, I had to work really hard to like go to college and like 
this isn't something you just like screw around with. You know, mm. it's not something that you take for granted. And if I'm helping you go to college, like I worked hard to go to college myself. So like, if you're going to waste this time, right. And money, like that's not what I'm giving this to you for. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that there was a lot of kids that I went to college with that do not think that way at all. Yeah. That are like, I'm going to get this degree and, and kind of figure it out as I go. And my dad was very like, if you're going to go for a degree, get a degree that's going to work, you know? Mm. So I think that is a little bit of a difference, but, um, I will say that there was my, like the things I remember about like being a kid, um, of like my parents being Gen Xers is kind of like, um, the, like you do this because you're told to do it. Yeah. And there's not, there's not, this isn't a conversation between me and you, yeah. you know? Um, and still to this day, maybe <laughs> when I'm feeling a little <laughs> brave, you yeah. know, like I, I, and not that they're like running a dictatorship. Like, I don't want to make it like that at all, but there's like, you, you live here, you know, I, I, we pay for this stuff and you, uh, you live in this house and there was a certain responsibility to being a child, you know, sure. and that's something that wasn't great that to this day, it's like, you know, there's things that I'm required to do purely because I exist here. Yeah. <laughs> and not because I'm like, should be entitled to like not have to do the dishes or like things like that. Yeah. So those were things I obviously as a kid, you don't like at all. Right. Um, but growing up, I am like, I'm going to do that with my kids to yeah. a certain extent because I think that's like important. So I guess kind of a long winded answer to your question, but I think there were like the strictness and stuff that I experienced as a kid that I might've thought was kind of like, Oh, they don't understand me or like, they don't, they don't get where I'm coming from. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing my best here kind of thing is like, Oh, you're, are you actually doing your best? Or like, do you not really understand where I'm coming from? And then sure. kind of understanding that later in life. So, well, yeah. Well, let's close with these two questions for all of us. Um, this has been fascinating. I think we need to do a part two. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, really good. Um, so uh, let me ask you this. Um, how, and this is for all of us, maybe a couple simple things. How can generations work better together? Um, you know, I'll just kind of start. Maybe the way to kind of frame this is how to understand each other. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, not every millennial you know, wants to be like the top, you mm. know? And I think that that's right. kind of, and we're not all like commitment phobe. And I think what happened to us was we never felt heard. Mm. So we never felt like, I think this generation, my generation wants to be mentored more than people give them credit. Yeah. But the people that mentor us value us. Like it's not, it's not, I am... I am the I am the mentor teacher hear me it's mm -hmm. a dialogue so I think that this is a generation that just wanted to be heard yeah. and even now people are like they talk about us like we're not in the room so mm. wow that's a good one yeah I mean I feel like for for Gen X I feel like we're in a unique stage now like where we get to be those mentors to people but we get to choose how we're going to do that and like you were saying Peter, like, I think some people lean into that in kind of a, a top-down approach. But I think one of our strengths is that we can choose not to. 
and we can choose to to be those mentors in a way that's a side by side approach to life and realize that we have things to learn even from uh you know as you were talking about james i'm like i'm i got stuff to learn from my kids like like right. there's things that that i can actually it's not just me imparting knowledge but but learning from whether it's millennials or gen z that i'm actually learning from them at the same time uh-huh. you know so um and i i would say for us we need to leverage those relational gifts so that we can actually you know be the most effective mentors possible so yeah. that's what i would say for my generation yeah and i i'd definitely kind of like to second that because i think um that aspect of being willing to learn from people that like you didn't think you could learn from right i think that's kind of all it really takes for multiple generations that think differently and um have different tendencies to be able to kind of work together and like i've seen my parents do that too of just like um even with social media and just other little things of being like, oh, can you like show me how to do this? Like, can you mm-hmm. can you teach this to me or like let me know like what you're thinking about this? And that, like Peter said, creates a dialogue of back and forth rather than like I'm imparting my wisdom yeah. and you have to take it. Um, and and the other thing I think I've through like leading at InterVarsity and stuff, I've kind of like thought about this a lot. Of I think that. I've seen people intimidated and I don't think that it's because of what's actually happening. I think that people are generally intimidated by things that they're like either scared of or they they don't know a lot about. Mm. And I feel like that kind of applies to generations, you know, and like the classic thing was like, I don't know anything about technology. So like I'm going to bash it or like say you're always on your phones, but it's because like I don't know a lot about it. Right. And I think... I, I probably don't understand things that Gen Xers understand and it's because I'm scared or hesitant to learn about it because I just, I feel inadequate at it. Yeah, so, dude, there's so much there. That's yeah. so, that's so good. I mean, and I think that applies for all of us yeah. generationally. So James, thanks for taking the time out. I mean, we could, uh, yeah, I know we you. could ask like 15 other questions here and I do have more questions down there uh, for all of us to to ask, but I feel like we've certainly been able to to understand each other and, and start a dialogue. I think that's really important to Definitely. keep up. So this could be an entire series where we just yeah. talk about this stuff. It's really good. Well, we always like to close on, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this? And um, yeah, we'll just close up with that question. John and I will go, and then James will uh, will uh, you'll close it up. So whatever heresy Sweet. or horrible generational thing we say, you know, so, um, so I think about, you know, first Peter and it talks about young men being mentored by, um, old men. And even first John talks about that and younger women being mentored by older women. And I think the Bible and the gospel has a clarity around intergenerational relationships. You know, James today, I've learned so much from you and I think as a millennial, I don't want to see the younger generations go through what I went through. Right. And so I think that that's kind of a shift because I think sometimes we fall into that trap of I had to go through that. I'd, so you're like almost intentionally doing that. I think we have a shift. So, John, go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, I think about the life of Jesus, and, and, and I, as I look at his life, I see him interacting with people across the spectrum, and, and generationally, he's interacting with all sorts of people, and, and he invites it. He just doesn't, like, tolerate it. He actually invites it. So for Jesus to actually say, hey, let the kids come to me, mm-hmm. like, actually, no, I know that society says you know, that I should be separated from them, but I want you to invite them into my presence. I think that's a sign from Jesus about the walls that we should be able to break down. Mm -hmm. Um, That Jesus very intentionally said about children, let them come to me, I think is a really big deal. And uh, so I think we just need to take that, that attitude as well when we look at our lives is like, are we ostracizing people from different generations or are we actually inviting them into our lives mm. in a real way? Um, so, but James, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would definitely kind of echo that. I, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about just community in general and what that looks like. Um, and with the exception of maybe a college ministry or something that is really specific to an age group, a community like Browncroft or any other church has people from every age Mm. um and i think about the people that have affected my life that are in different generations because of their willingness to be understanding and to to teach when they can teach and to listen when they need to listen um and i think that really reflects like god's design for a community Mm. of um like you said he invited everyone not just certain people um and kind of being able to to as a whole look at what God's plan is for um, the community you're in, whether it's a church or a ministry or something like that, and kind of be able to, like, at the end, tackle problems and move forward as a group rather than individuals. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing, even if we're in different generations. So, Man, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Um, so uh, James, thanks so much for being on here. Um, if you'd like to find out more about the Why God Why podcast, go to whygodwhypodcast.com. We are on social media, Instagram and Twitter, WGW Podcast. Uh, use the hashtag, hashtag WGW Podcast. We'd love to interact with you. And we are on Facebook. As always, write us a review, as John would say. Write a review, as a Gen X would say, as you feel. Authentic. Real review, authentic. I would say write us a five-star review because I'm a millennial. (laughs) Anyways, have a wonderful day. Thanks for being with us.